You are listening to the Source Connection Podcast, an ongoing invitation to remember your true infinite nature and embody your unique human expression. By holding space for the kind of conversations that uplift, inform, and unite us, we are here to amplify the field of possibilities and explore the keys to creating the new. Hosted by Liz B. and Tara Long. For more, check out thesourceconnection.us, Spotify, Odyssey, and YouTube. Welcome, everyone, to one more episode of The Source Connection. I'm Liz B. Well, some people call me Liz B. Some people call me other names. Here with my co-host and sister, Tara Long, and our very special guest, Chance Garden from the Innerverse podcast. And the Vibrant, and we'll get get into all that. Thank you for being here today with us, Chance. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, I'm feeling more grounded already. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just take a moment to just come into this now together and just start noticing what's happening internally as we close our outer eyes and open the inner perception. No need to do anything in particular right now, just taking inventory what's going on in our minds, physical bodies, mental bodies, emotional bodies. Anchoring the breath in awareness. Breathing with intention. Synchronizing our hearts. Connecting our feet to the center of the earth and our heads to the skies and the universe above. I invite you to imagine a column of light in the center of your being. And with every breath that you take in and out, let it grow and expand.
connecting to the all of you in this physical form. Connecting to the all of you in non-physical form. And connecting to all of you that is now within your own self. In the physical and non-physical. Dropping any excess and weight with each exhale. Breathing all of you with each inhale. Let's take a deep inhale together and gather all of our heart. Just suspend that breath for a moment. And let's sigh it out. <sighs> and give the heart that love to everyone, everywhere, to everything. Let's do that a couple more times. And one last time. Mm.
Thank you for joining me. Can do a little body movement, roll the shoulders, the head, whatever feels good. Just mm. Mm. did you guys hear my stomach growling in that? No. <laughs> okay, good. I was like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> good deal. The growling. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here with us today again, Chance, after this reset. I'm almost like feeling a little anew. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I kind of needed it, actually. Wasn't mm. running around a little bit this morning. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being getting stuff done, but yeah. there's a huge, it's a huge gift to give yourself a couple of yeah. minutes of centering, oh, yeah. grounding, breathing. Feels awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. We met, um, what, a couple months ago at Music and Sky, I want to say? Yeah, that was in Ish. the middle of October. So about a month okay. ago. Um, oh, my God. That's it. <laughs> Time is funny. Time is very funny, especially of lately, I would have to say. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to tell everybody how I met Shins and why he's here today. So on Saturday at Music and Sky, we had a... I think spontaneous fire side chat who was, that was led by chance with Kelly Brogan, Eileen and Alec. And I had never heard of you before. I didn't know you at all. And as you, you guys started, I'm going, this is a brother. Who is he? Who? And I'm asking myself, well, how come I've never heard of him? Who? Wait a minute. I'm looking around like, all this, do you, you all know him? <laughs> how did that <laughs> escape my radar, right? And the way you were speaking, the language, the wonder, the questions you were bringing forth were just so activating for me. And I went, man, I, I need to meet him and um, would love to get to know more of him, maybe invite him to the podcast. So that was my wish. That was, you know, thrown in the ethers that night. I went to bed early. I didn't finish the um, the whole chat. My young one was with me and we needed to go to bed. And so that next morning, when I was ready to come out, was ready for the day, I see Chance leading an impromptu, again, energy, <laughs> Qigong class. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's that guy, Chance. Oh, and I didn't know if it was like a thing that, some people were doing that had agreed to do it. So I just like slowly <laughs> made my way into it. And I was just like, I'm just going to pretend I was here from the beginning, right? <laughs> That's how a lot of people did it. It started with just me and a couple of others and it snowballed from there. And I had a lot of fun doing that. It was so fun. Thank you. And then, so I, I when there was a little break, I was like, I hope I'm not interrupting. I just thought, no, 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 just come on in and it was so lovely and we didn't get a chance to really speak then. There was a lot going on, um, but I told you then that I'd like to have you on our um, exploration here. So I'm so happy that you agreed and that we get to now get to know you a little more. Well, thank you for all those kind words. It was really incredible to go to that event and meet all the people mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> impromptu is kind of, a favorite method for me anyway, because yeah. we're, you were just talking about the time thing. One 
lesson for me in life is realizing the difference between measured time on the clock yeah. and subjective time of the soul. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> in this type of thing, you know, sometimes we're scheduled to meet at a certain measured time on the clock mm-hmm. and it doesn't always line up with the time yes. of the soul. And mm-hmm. in our current world where we're, we, a lot of people are allowing themselves to be ruled by that clock. It makes mm-hmm. for situations where people are showing up for something that isn't a full 100% yes to them. Yeah, It might be a yes for them in a different time at a different moment, but I think we do ourselves a huge disservice if we aren't allowing flexibility uh, for ourselves and for others who, Mm. you know, and so there's so much like saving face, like, Oh, I agreed to this. And I I would be embarrassed if I asked to reschedule or (laughs) whatever the case may be. But I found that, uh, the universe wants to be accommodating to what flows energetically in the moment and things will oh. work best if you honor that. And what's fun is I I actually talked about this a little bit in that fireside chat. People can hear that on Alpha Vedic's channel. They did, yeah. Their crew did a great job recording that mm-hmm. video and audio, which is not easy to do in the mm-hmm. field. Right. So, Correct. I agree. Super right. impressive job. Praise to them. And we were talking about that subjective time versus measured time concept as it was a question asked from somebody in the audience. And after the, after the chat, uh, a Greek woman came up to me and told me that the Greeks actually have a word for two words for time, just like they have multiple words for love. And we just kind of call everything love. <laughs> they, they have different kinds of love and it's really helpful to have those distinctions. Uh, Apparently, in Greek, you have chronos, which is the measured mm. time, the time on the clock. And then you have kurios, which is subjective time. Mm. And I think it's very helpful to have those two things in mind because mm. you can spend your whole life spinning on the hamster wheel of chronos. And there's nothing wrong with that type of time, you know, the numbers right. and the, <laughs> the measurement and the exactitude. But when you put that before subjective time, you're getting things out of order. And the best way I can define subjective time is like the growth of you as a being, the change that you go through as a being through experience and through learning and through all the other forms of growth that we're able to achieve in life. Mm. And if your whole, (laughs) some people that are stuck in Kronos time might want to hear this because you, you, we've all had times in our life where we're, going through the motions. We're doing the same thing day after day, week after week, maybe a job we don't like. That's usually the main culprit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yep. a year, two years, three years passes by and we reflect on that time and we're like, I barely even have any memories <laughs> of that right. time. It's like nothing, very very little changed other than uh, the type of destruction that enters into one's life through nature whenever right. stagnancy is there. As a way, it's actually trying to help, right? Yep. So to live life from the experiential, from the subjective, from the Mm. orientation of how am I growing and what am I learning every day, if Mm. possible, then you're really in the flow of what actual time is about, which is about your development. And Mm. then the chronos time, the time on the clock starts to serve you (laughs) instead of that you're the slave to it. Mm. Mm, yeah, wow. that's gorgeous. And I, yeah, I would add that subjective time feels 
um, also like a timelessness or it can, or that we could add that third, <laughs> that third um, sort of note there, you know, that timelessness of this growth, this expansion, whatever is happening in the space of now, which to me, just tapping into that timeless aspect of that is so juicy. Yeah, that's um, a really great point because what nature does is it expands and it continues and it flows forward. So in a way that development, growth, curios, subjective time is also timeless because it's the eternal, yeah. it's the eternal happening. It's what it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. And when you mm. try to stay in the stasis of doing the same thing every day, especially when it doesn't feel very good to do, you're yeah. like trying to go against the flow of everything that life is about. And that I think is part of what makes it so exhausting and destructive. Mm. Hmm. That yeah. seems to be the paradox of our times, the things that we've been told to do versus coming out of that shell and just coming into mm -hmm. what we want and are meant to be in this yeah. time and space continuum here. Hmm. Thank you so Chance, um, there's, yeah, Liz and I were talking about all the different things that you're into and that, I mean, your website is just amazing. I'm like, oh God, then I can go here and I can go here. All these things. So <laughs> I'd love to hear, um, just in your own words, however much you'd like to share, just how you got here to this now moment with all of that and how that unfolded for you. Yeah, sure. There's, of course, a lot of parts to anyone's life story, but what feels <laughs> good to talk about is, you know, the basic background is similar to many people that might be listening. I grew up in the pretty standard suburban American household. Had great parents, yeah. not a lot of like, you know, unnecessary trauma layered onto my childhood, which is very big blessing. Although, you know, those things can also become our great teachers and all that. So I went to high school, went to college, kind of just going through the motions as I was just talking about. Yeah. Uh, got the degree just to get the degree and was feeling pretty unfulfilled after that point, like no direction. Where am I going? mostly spending my time in entertainment as a way to kill the time, pass the time, destructive. <laughs> and I got invited to go to some events that were not unlike music and sky in my early twenties and saw a different world where people were coming together to celebrate their creativity and life itself and consciousness expanding experiences. And so at that point I realized, okay, I think it's about creating. I think that's where the spiritual path is really at. That's why I'm feeling unfulfilled is I'm not making anything. So <laughs> I bought a big pack of like all the colors you could get of Sharpies <laughs> and started doing just very uh, amateur doodles and coloring and sketches and just to like make something. And mm. that was, turns out that was like the crux decision that really changed the direction and flow of my life overall. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. So that turned into like, you know, kind of making some merchandise out of my doodles and uh, people sharing it with people, give, gifting it to people and get gives you an in to talk to people. It's like a conversation starter. And what I was really interested in from there was like, how do people turn their creativity into their livelihood? Mm. What is the secret of these people that I meet that are running like vendor booths and selling paintings or weaving their own clothes or all these possibilities. Like, how did they do it? How did they get off yeah. of the hamster wheel? 
that everybody else is on to where every week of their life is an adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, why aren't they afraid of the risk of the the so the seeming risk of yeah. being at the mercy of the universe instead of a sure thing of a paycheck? Yeah. <laughs> right. It turns out nobody can nobody could actually like tell me the secret <laughs> uh, until I jumped off the cliff myself eventually mm. later down the line. But I spent yep. so in in the pursuit of that interest, I started this podcast where I wanted to talk to creatives and uh, soul path driven people to like again. It was really because I wanted to find out the secret, and I wanted to do it in a way where other people could find out with me, right mm. and. Yeah. Uh, so for many years, I have been doing this show, Interverse. It was a slow start, slow growth. I think part of that is the energetics of me trying to have my foot in both worlds and mm-hmm. stay in the sort of Babylon job and the and then do this stuff on the side. And that was so much work and very exhausting and very draining. And and so the irony of that is like. <laughs> You think that that's the way to do it, potentially that, you know, if I, I'll mitigate the risk by trying to, by doing both things at once. Yeah. And in reality, the whole nature of currency and support coming to you and like our yin acceptance of and receptivity of mm. abundance and blessings from universe, you know, if you're holding on to the other thing, you can't take the thing that could be offered and given to you. Mm. You know, the yin dynamic is like that. So, uh, and the energetics of currency require too that you have current in your body that is flowing and powerful mm-hmm. and strong. So in that sort of exhausting myself method of how I began the podcast journey, the growth was slow, the support was slow to accumulate. <laughs> and then that can cause someone to come into a kind of mental mental dynamic of uh I'm being someone out there stopping me, someone out there censoring mm-hmm. me, blocking me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know some of that to a degree is true with social media and stuff but all that yeah. is an offer the you're it taking is, the offer yeah. of using a platform and a system that isn't really set up for what type of message you want to bring to the world so anyway um eventually you know i had one of the biggest realizations on the way through all this that helped me take the full leap mm-hmm. and leave behind the old the old ways was uh Realizing I came across this CD <laughs> that or an album that I had made when I was in high school with my friends. I was in a band in high school and I was listening to the music and I was like remembering myself from back then. And I realized, you know what? Every time I think of myself from the age of, of the age of 17, 18, 19, going into college, I always was like angry. And I imagined myself mm. how I would go and tell that kid off. Like, you know, he was so dumb. He was so egotistical. The, this, that, and the other thing he had wrong. And so I, I didn't understand until that moment when I was listening to this old album and from a more um, objective standpoint going, wow, it's pretty, this is pretty good for a bunch of high schoolers to have made. <laughs> I, re- I realized that if I just met the old version, the young version of myself mm-hmm. as my current self, and it wasn't me and I didn't have all this story and baggage and I just like met that teenager, I would have thought he was cool. I would have thought, like, wow, there's <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on for a a 17 year old or whatever. And I had this like repairing of my relationship to my past self and a higher level of understanding of like what sort of put me into depression in my early twenties. How, when that band, which was like my whole life, I loved being in it. I loved performing. I loved everything about it. When that split up because we went our separate ways to go to different colleges, 
I realized that the way that my mind had explained the pattern of the sadness of losing that was to come up with the story of, well, it's because I did something wrong. I didn't deserve it anymore. Mm. <laughs> and mm. so I created this whole con construct of the young version of myself is dumb. And whenever you hold on to any opinion like that of your younger self, and I learned this even, I learned this over and over again in biofield tuning when I work with people and find echoes of their past self that they're mm. still holding on to an opinion or belief about themselves from back then that is informing the way that they're behaving in the, in the now. Right. When I let that go and I saw the young version of myself as very lovable <laughs> and that the, the pain that I'd incurred myself was for believing that I didn't deserve the stuff that I loved most and that was good in my life. And that's why it had gone away. Um, that was it. That seemed to like be the big shift for me energetically to give myself the confidence to, you know, take the leap of faith and the unseen forces come to my aid and, finally be truly receptive to mm. the, the gifts that are just waiting for you to have the right posture to receive them, to have the right mm. openness to receive them. So uh, from there, that was probably sometime in the middle of last year, actually. <laughs> so wow. it's not even been that long nice. that I've been full time doing podcasts. Like the support for the show was growing up to that point. You know, all that preliminary yeah. work and sort of the grind and hustle, it wasn't for no reason. Right. But I want people to realize that it doesn't have to be a long and arduous path and battle to be supported doing what you love, but it does require faith and self-love to the level and self-care to the level that um, the highest level that you can provide it, which might need you to go back and comb through the beliefs that you have, not just about yourself now, but what do I believe about myself from this age and from this age and from that age, especially at key transition moments in life where something majorly changed or our emotional state took a dive for whatever reason. We really do have mm -hmm. to go back and re mentally repair those uh, relationships to all the different expressions of ourselves throughout our life, I think. And then, then we have so much energy <laughs> in the now moment because we're not blocking any of the parts of us that got us to where we are. Mm, I'm crying, as you can see. Um, we shared the same background of music, of performance. That was my whole life. And um, there is a lot of, I think, wounding from that still that you just um, help uplift just in your own sharing right now. Mm. Um, what did you play? Now I'm curious. I, I was a guitar player who got put on the bass. So <laughs> it was fun. Uh, yeah, that has happened to me too. I actually put myself on the bass at some point and I loved it. Oh, the bass um, is great. So thank you for that. Um, it's almost like what I'm now feeling with what you just said. It's like we all have this opportunity if we choose to go back to the weaving of our own lives and just smooth things out a little bit if we choose to do so the crinkles the wrinkles or the notches or the 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 um the knots that were done in a way that we're not very mindful or conscious or whatever thing and we tap into that and then kind of open as you were talking about the currencies and then it flows 
and it reaches this now moment. A lot of the energy work that I do when we go into these different timelines of past, present, future, it just condenses everything together. So it's not this linear thing that we think happened then or there, but it can happen at every moment. I'm curious with that, um, when you talked about that realization, when you're listening to that music and you see yourself as that cool teenager, right? You see yourself from that perspective, almost like somewhat of an othering in that moment that allows yourself to go back into who you are. Was that pretty automatic or did it take a little bit to just integrate? I think it was interesting. It was almost like a divine intervention. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was like, I, I, just curiously noticed that that um, music, I could check it out again, and I hadn't for years. And then I was like, oh, wow, we were doing cool things. Oh, wow. Like, that was, I don't know, it just sort of all clicked, you know, pretty rapidly. But I think maybe the preliminary work of getting myself more in tune with sound, as I had yeah. been in the year before that, was a pretty big key as well. Uh, that, I think, the, the sound stuff is incredible for <laughs> helping your body adjust itself and uh, bring your attention to where stuck energy is at. That's sort That's, of the whole point of it. How did you get into it? Yeah, I heard Eileen McCusick, who you, you already mm-hmm. mentioned, on some podcast in 2019. And something like bells were ringing inside me, like, this is it. Check this out. Go deeper. And I've had a lot of experience with energy work and all mm-hmm. types of uh, subtle healing. I'd been a I've been a Qigong practitioner for ten years. Um, so whenever I heard Eileen's description of her work in this biofield anatomy and how she's like in this beautiful Libran way, uh, <laughs> which I totally relate to, mm-hmm. she's bridging the science, the mechanism, and the mysticism, you know, okay. together. That was really powerful. I checked out her books, and then from there. You know, I'm I'm not technically certified with her uh, program or anything, but I was able to figure out how how it's done by reading her books and practicing and experimenting, and it's been an awesome journey. (laughs) I still actually I still learn things pretty frequently. One thing about energy healing that I already was hip to uh, from long ago when I first started picking up selenite crystals and waving my hands over people who had <laughs> headaches and <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. you know, putting yeah. my attention for things to flow and help people. Like I, I learned a long time ago that whatever the situation is coming to you, like whatever help somebody might be needing or asking for, that it's exactly what you are equipped to help with. It wouldn't mm-hmm. come to your sphere of awareness otherwise. So even nice. if it's a situation I've never seen before, or some requires some kind of like technique that I haven't done before, the idea of how to do it will spontaneously and intuitively arise just as the novelty of whatever the specific situation is has arisen. So I think that's a <laughs> something people might want to know if they're con- considering getting into some of these practices like biofield tuning or uh, you know Reiki or whatever you might want to try out is that Mm -hmm. you're going to get 
the education, the on the job training. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, nothing's going to come to you that you can't handle or at least in some way help with if your intention is authentically that you yeah. just want to help, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot of learning as I go, but then, yeah. you know, you, you, what's cool about that too is <laughs> if I, if there's something new that comes up or I learn something new about a dynamic of the biofield anatomy, like that, for example, energy stuck around the left hip could have the quality of somebody who is afraid to be seen or wants to hide that uh, when I learned that that very week it came up like three times <laughs> yeah I, I hadn't even seen it before so you get these like confirmations where like yes this is what you're meant to be learning right now and now you can yes. you carry this forward and and internalize it and integrate it because you're seeing it on repeat here Mm. Yeah, I I had that experience a lot. I practiced acupuncture for 15 years and it would be something I never heard of somebody comes in with. And then, like you said, then that week, there's like three people. I'm like, okay, this is it. But it really did, like you were saying, teach me so much to trust myself in the moment because, of course, in acupuncture school and anything that you're learning as a skill, right, you have um, all the details, all the data, all the information of that, which is great like your ABCs. But then when you get into the field, if you will, and you're practicing, it's nothing like that. And so you just have to be open and willing to be like, I know what I'm doing here. And like you said, the person in front of me is coming to me because there's something I we have to exchange together. There's something here. So just to trust that, trust yourself. Um, and before this call, before we got on, Chance Liz and I were talking about um, how our well, my brain seems to work very differently now than it did, say, even five or 10 years ago, right? When I was in school and studying and all the information, information, information. And now it either doesn't hold it or it's not relevant to hold certain specific details about things. Um, and it's just, it's so in the moment, it's so spontaneous. It's so like something is just coming through me. And it's, so I've been able to let go of a lot and been able to let go of a story like, oh, my memory is bad or it's it just, so I'm curious if you've had that experience too, like with our, everything changing on the planet and within all of us in this huge paradigm shift, like, do you find things like that changing for you as well? So what I'd like to speak to on that is the feeling of something coming through you. This is the mm-hmm. source connection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're on right. Here, That's so. what we do here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's one of the things that can feel uh, wobbly for people in many different fields uh, that are creative, whether it's painting or mm. energy work. I think maybe it's misunderstood that the healing arts are an art. <laughs> oh, right. Speak to that. Yeah. Yes. And so there will come a point where, you know, you've done all your foundational work. You've learned the details, the structure, the anatomy, whatever things are going to help you but those intellectual scaffoldings are a way for ideas to arise out of your intuition. You have all that so that you, not because you need to consciously remember every single piece of it, but so that you have the experience that whenever one of those pieces needs to be remembered or called on, mm-hmm. it can arise mm-hmm. naturally. But the feeling of it in the flow state, <laughs> it is like yeah. making things up as you go. And that can throw people off because they're like, oh, yeah. I, I'm supposed to defer to authority or experts yes. or right. Yes. the, right, the no right way to do it. And <laughs> yeah. 
So if I'm making things up as I go, I must be faking it. But (laughs) (laughs) if you are, if you are in the right intention, then making it up as you go is totally not just allowed, but actually the way it's supposed to feel. Because if you're truly connected to source, that's what source is. We're talking about the creative intelligence that self-generates all reality. Well, that creative intelligence, that source consciousness is literally imagination. It is actually making all of this up in every moment, like an author. (laughs) So to really claim your authority is to Uh be comfortable with, in the flow state, making decisions. And I think that's what creative people are really able to do is that they make decisions. The person who believes that they're not creative looks at the canvas and thinks, I don't know what to do. The creative person goes, I have maybe an idea. Maybe I even don't have an end goal in mind, (laughs) but I see a blank canvas. I have options. I'm going to make a choice. And then I'm going to make another choice from there. And it's a stepwise progression. No great painter, even the best in the world, knows every brush stroke that is going to go on that canvas in the exact order that's going to happen from start to finish before they start. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. So it's actually okay to feel like you're making it up as you go. That doesn't make you inauthentic. It makes you you in your authority. Yeah. You know, and and you're not an imposter for doing that as long as you're not uh, pretending to be something you're not or pretending mm-hmm. to have an intention that you are that's actually opposite to your intention. If your intention is pure, you're totally allowed to make things up as you go. And that's actually the way it ought to feel if you're connecting to source because that's what source does. Mm, that's such a deep surrendering and trust. Yeah. And just that knowing, as you were saying, that it's just, you don't have to know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a paradox where you blend the surrender with the uh, authority. You know, yes, you're taking the both at the same making. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. that is a yin yang working together in harmony <laughs> inside yourself. Mm. Wow. That's what that's these so... times are so about. Oh, yeah. Aren't we all we just talking right here all one the time? Way, one way or <laughs> another, right? Um, now, with that said, when you did start and decided to step into that authority, right, author, and that idea that you are the author of your life, that you are creating, that you are choosing, that you are surrendering and all of that, what did that look like for people around you? Were people pretty tapped into that? Did that disrupt certain relationships? Because it threats other people's security as well at times when we are in close relating, right? Because people are used to seeing things a certain way or thinking that things need to work a certain way. That's the progression of life. You do this and then you do that and then you, you know, buy this or whatever the thing is. And I've noticed at times in my life that that can be threatening to other people. So they feel insecure, not necessarily about what they're doing. They may at some level, but what we are choosing to do because it doesn't fit anywhere in their own construct of reality. So I'm curious to know what did that look like when you fully start to step into that to people around you yeah, and your relationship to them, right? That's a really great question. Um, So 
for me, I have my in astrology speaking, I have Chiron in Cancer. So for me, one of the I don't want to say the word trigger, but I guess like trigger wounds, <laughs> <laughs> one of like the sort of primary wound constructs yeah. in my being would be abandonment, like fear of being abandoned, pain of feeling abandoned, all that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. at the point where I started to be more expressive of <laughs> what I saw as the true reality, and that includes like, you know, not being able to hold a normie conversation. Welcome to our world. As soon as, yeah. I get, like, as soon as they give me just like a slight, uh, you know, they might complain about the government. I'll be like, oh, 9-11 is an inside job. They give yeah. me an inch, I take a mile, right? But yeah. I, there, there was um, like throughout the path, there was more and more of a naturally sort of falling away of proximity of close yes. relationships and friendships yes. that I had held. And that caused me a lot of, uh, caused me a lot of mm, emotional trouble, but not like, not like crippling, but I was yeah. aware of it that like, you know, kind of hurts my feelings to not be invited to this or things of that nature. Yeah. But I learned along the way that all of the people in our lives fulfill various archetypes of the full spectrum of being and that nature is whole and we are nature and we are whole. And regardless of who it is that fulfills a certain role or archetype yeah. in our life, unless we are internally blocking ourselves from that type of energy or that archetype, then it will be present somewhere somehow. So being able to let go of needing it to be this person to fulfill mm-hmm. this role mm-hmm. and to continue pushing forward into a, a more coherent version of yourself you will meet the same person down the road, possibly yes. in a different body, <laughs> but it's like they're going to fulfill that same role for you and they're going to mm. be more aligned and in tune with who you are intending to be in the life that you're authoring. And sometimes yes. it'll even be the person from before and they will have upgraded and come yeah. along the journey with you too. So when it comes to that and also like, neat, you know, the, we often, especially early in the journey of waking up to some of the the uh, more <laughs> uh, seemingly pretty insane truths about the way the world works. <laughs> you know, we'll want to beat people over the head with all the facts that we've been mm. taking in. And yeah. that doesn't actually help. But if you can show people, <laughs> if you just crush at life and show people what it looks like to do that, then some of them will be curious and want to know what you think about things. And when they come to you and ask questions is where the real uh, ability to lead and help others shows up. It's not really about forcing them to listen to you. Yeah. But in particular, like one of the biggest ones that I had to learn about was that I had a long, long standing lifetime uh, pattern of having at least one person in my life that was very close to me. It was almost always in the form of whoever my relationship was with, where they were the, to me in my mind, they were like the mean vampiric, energy drainer mm-hmm. taking advantage of me and i was the noble but victimized just trying to help them save them empath and i replayed that pattern a bunch of times oh. and it's not about that they were actually the monster it was that i was making them a monster in my mind and my authoring of my life story was writing them into a role of being oh. the bad guy whose fault it was that i couldn't ascend further 
Mm. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the unexpected side effects of getting into the uh, tuning work and sound stuff that I learned from Eileen's books was uh, healing a left shoulder injury that i had had chronically from what I thought was from rock climbing. And then later I realized that, oh, every injury is actually a reflection of our energy body and our emotional state yes. and our beliefs about yeah. ourselves. There is no right. just an accidental injury. Yes. meaningless. <laughs> so I, was, I worked on this left shoulder injury. It was actually amazing because I had been unable to raise my arm over my shoulder for m- like half a year or more. Mm. It would hurt too much. I thought it was from climbing. I would take a month or two off of climbing and then go back and try it again. And it was still messed up. I was like doing everything I thought I could, getting massages, you know, like really trying to help it. And then I got the uh, Sonic Slider weighted tuning fork from my lean store Mm. and used that for like, I'm serious. The first day I started using it on there, the pain got better. And within within the week, I had the full mobility back. What I didn't comprehend at that time was that I was tuning up the part of my biofield that has to do Mm -hmm. with that dynamic of empath versus vampire (laughs) and taking on the victim posture and -hmm. feeling like I'm attacked by other people's negativity and all that. So Mm -hmm. anyway, the person that I had authored into that role at that Mm -hmm. time was my wife of that time. And (laughs) what I didn't know what happened is that when I uh, healed that energetic part of my body that within a few months that relationship was going to be dissolved and gone. And this is not because she was actually the bad guy. Mm-hmm. It was just because yeah. I was holding on to that relationship to hold on to that story yeah. and that narrative. And it was, you know, that wasn't the way life really wanted to flow for me. And so whenever I corrected the energetics of that, I had no idea when I put that tuning mm-hmm. fork on my shoulder, I was going to be divorced. <laughs> like <this>. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So you got to be aware that like things can change pretty fast, but it's always for the better. And always. it definitely is for the better for me. And yeah, I think better always. for her and better for everybody involved. Everybody, yeah, I love for sure. I love that story, Chance, because usually it's the other way around, right? Like people, someone will have something, say, physically showing them like, right, a message. And so then what's, then they correct whatever it is in their life, the relationship, the job, and then the physical thing goes away or dissolves or whatever. And so it's so cool to hear you talk about how you actually healed your shoulder injury and then that totally shifted the energetics of your relationship. Because usually in my experience, you know, working with people and myself, it's it's the other way. But it's yeah, actually, but it's harder to take to tackle it from the external situation side most of the time. It's usually harder. Not always. I mean, sometimes you just like, okay, yeah, I depends. need a boundary with this. There's a boundary. Yeah. Now I'm feeling better. But that's the beauty of the mind, body, spirit, trinity, Mm. the inner world, outer world, duality, is that where we're stuck in any of those areas, we can address it somewhere else and get unstuck in the place where we're stuck. I think that's why we have the experience of duality. I think that's why we have multiple layers of our body. Yeah. Yeah. It's just cleaning a room of the house and it doesn't really matter where you start. (laughs) It'll eventually, the rest of the house will be clean. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And you said something in... I'm sorry, Liz. No, you. go ahead. I just had a quite you. I just wanted to know what it means for you. You said something about people will see that you're crushing it at life. And I want to know what that means for you, crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, what whatever gives you the most consistent flow state and perpetual feeling of synchronicity 
So that could look different for people, but that's yeah. what that's what I think crushing really is, is being in the flow of perpetual synchronicity, which mm. you always actually are, but it's a so it's about aligning your perceptions to where the synchronicity yes. is at so that yes. you can continue to go through yeah. the path of you know least resistance into the direction that life wants you to go. And you know, even yeah. putting it in that terminology where life wants you to go is almost like you mean I don't have free will? Something is tr- like something is guiding mm-hmm. me. It's fate or destiny. No, I'm telling you, you are life, and so yes. where life wants you to go is where Absolutely. you want to go. Mm. Yeah, you are life. Maybe that's the title of our episode today. Yeah, I know we always. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it just pops up like that. Yeah. Um, wow, and I think I'm just taking a moment to digest that and trying to come up with words to tell everyone listening that just that alignment of you knowing yourself as life will bring so much into play just immediately. Like there's no externalization and everything just comes into this, this moment. I'm like, like my whole biofilm is feeling it right. I'm Mm -hmm. feeling the, the, just the coherence of that statement alone. And if I'd like to offer everybody just a moment to really say that to yourself, like I am life. I am life. Life is not something that's outside of myself. It's not trying to get me, right? Life is always happening for me. I always say this. So you are always happening for yourself. How much power can that realization bring? And can I give you a little bit of... um language around that phrase you are life i've never really said it like that before but it's actually super deep because so okay we've we've probably all heard of the one of the names of god of jehovah right Mm -hmm. and that is a derivation of the tetragrammaton the four letters yad he vav he so yad he vav he those hebrew letters Mm -hmm. they can actually be translated into different English letters. Like the Yod could be an I, it could be a J, it could be an I, or um, anyway, I think I already said I, but <laughs> Yod, He, Vav, He basically has multiple transliterations. One of them would be I, E, U, E, which is you, pronounce it you. You. Mm-hmm. And another transliteration of Yod, He, Vav, He would be I, E, V, E, which is Yiv. Eve. 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 And mm-hmm. the Hebrew word for life is actually uh, Eve. It's just this, it's the exact wow. same as Yadhe Vavhe without the Yad. Oof. So when nice. we say, <laughs> so I mean, just in the language, it reveals to you that the, the being is the mother mm. and the father. Mm-hmm. You know, the beingness, the God that we call God or Jehovah. <laughs> or Yadhe Vave is Eve and Yov. Yov is another one of the transliterations you could take from those four letters. So mm. you are life <laughs> is like saying, you know, God is life. I I, I accept I, the beingness. Am. I am. It's got all mm-hmm. of these things wrapped into that yeah. phrase. So like there is a super powerful, I felt it in my body too. Whenever you mm-hmm. paused on that phrase, I was like, yeah, whoa, this yeah. is majorly <laughs> coherent, majorly resonating. Mm-hmm. And I, that everything we need is in that, you know, everything mm-hmm. we need is right here. 
it's uh there's someone who says um your life is your medicine too and that is you know if we look at medicine as everything that you need to for everything that you need <laughs> and want mm. i'm just really rejoicing in this right now like i feel it in the layers of my own multidimensionality and just wanted to say that a phrase that often come to when this moments happen is we are each other's deepest wish right now, right? And we're sitting here together and just to acknowledge that and talking about synchronicity and knowing and trusting. And I'm just so grateful for you being here with us today. Thank you. That is a great recognition because every moment and every experience is what we most deeply wished for. Yeah. It's what life is, it's what life is bringing to us and we are life. Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Bye, guys. We are life. Wow. And to recognize um, the sacredness of one another. Yeah. That mm. they are life presenting yes. itself to you. And the in the creation in that moment, what does it mean when all this life comes together and then recreates itself? And it's in this perpetual, imaginative, creative flow. And when we were talking about, um, you know, oh, you're in that flow and you're thinking, I'm just making this up and life, it's making itself up as it goes. It can never be the same as it was before. You're really meeting every moment in the sacredness of what it is because it's never going to be recreated, right? And allowing for that and trusting that and, as you said, being the author in that moment to create life and to be life as it needs to be expressed through you. It really is, I think, a, sh- a huge shift in paradigm, and I'm glad that we're able to amplify the field of that so mm-hmm. others can tap into this awareness. I was even looking at, I was watching the Marilyn Monroe movie that just came out the other day, and how that being felt so imprisoned in its construct, its out- outwardly construct of what that person was in the prison that it seemed to have become for her. And the tools available at that time, and I'm just so grateful that now we've really amplified the field to know that we are the tools, right? And then we have this permission slips of other things that we get to do with the the tuning forks and the acupunctures and the massages and the energy work, whatever that is. But how much greater and how much richer and deep our lives are because of that. I'm just really expressing gratitude right now. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's the best time ever. It, but... It's like the best time to be alive. Every moment is. Yes. I, I have a, a life hack, you could call it, where I try to remind myself every day that it's the best day of my life. And then mm-hmm. if I can do it multiple days in a row, then I count like, this is the 30th day in a row that is the best day of my life. <laughs> and it's like a hot streak. It's <laughs> the best month of my life. Because you, totally, like... you can totally yeah. make that claim. Any day, yeah, yes. because you're always yeah. at a higher level of knowledge, experience, and wholeness than you were before. You keep building on yourself. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, we sang a song that said, um, the best is yet to come. And, and it said, um, this is the first day of the best of my life. So I find it again, right? The synchronicities of the wording mm-hmm. and just how it all just connects. And there I was chanting that and like really feeling that. And yes, it's like, yeah, 
because it's always change is always for the better, even if it takes a little bit to adjust and integrate and we feel like we're losing, I'm air quoting here, something. There's never something that gets lost. Yeah. It just gets. I'm glad to be talking to you about this stuff today because one of the big missions of my life lately and my work is to refute the ideas that really spread around new age circles that masquerade under the label Gnosticism, but they're not at all, Mm. (laughs) which is Mm -hmm. a belief that reality is fake and created by an evil God and our spirits are trapped in the uh, jail that is Mm -hmm. our bodies and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And like, Mm -hmm. yeah, if that's what you think, then it is that, (laughs) you know, you can, if you want that to be the story that you're living in, that's fine. But there, you know, people are missing the boat and, it um, I will be honest. It it bothers. It actually bothers me how popular those ideas are. That those mm. ideas can travel so far so fast, and mm. and they're based off of interpretations of texts and scriptures that mm. most of the people that are spreading the ideas never even read those things themselves. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. they did, they didn't have the keys to decipher them in the first place. So yes. like it, you, you guys it. are you guys yeah. are bringing the right way of uh, the right mm-hmm. posture to life. This feels way better. Mm, well, yeah, if w- we're authoring, yeah, then how do we choose to author? I think yeah. just that premise of if I'm creating, what is the foundation that I'm creating from, right? And we get mm-hmm. to choose that, and people are going to have different experiences of that. That was one of my biggest lessons during the COVID experience. It was just really, I knew it, but noticing like, wow, we're really inhabiting very different realities, like to the physical reality, Mm -hmm. completely different, right? And I think that that time, which is still ongoing, has really helped to clear the static, to make things just more um, in tune. It's easier to perceive, to understand, to get in alignment with what's meaningful and fulfilling and what's not again like you were saying the relationships kind of falling away and everything just really in in a alignment that i've never felt before mm-hmm. in my own awareness of life so i'm very grateful for it yeah there's so much to be grateful for out of the whole co- cooties <laughs> yeah cooties yeah. storyline <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what i call it be- like first of all if none of that had gone down it may have been quite a long time before yes. before I realized not to be afraid of invisible uh, monsters that could right. somehow just come out of nowhere and make me sick as if right. I had nothing to do with it. Mm. Right. Right. The victimization. Enemy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Disempowerment. Yes. All of it. It's all those those threads, those tiny and sometimes really big dark threads are just being yanked out and we get to see everything. Yeah. What a blessing. And these past few years have been some of the best of my life. I mean, honestly, just the mm-hmm. the people, the the you know, like Liz was saying, the clarity, the just the simplification of everything. We talk about that here all the time. How it's just so simple. And Chance, you must have been intuiting. Um, I was going to ask that question a little bit. Is is we are life? You are life. So, what is life showing you right now? And and you talked about what you're excited about. Um, these paradigm shifting in the the, maybe the old scriptures and texts and stuff being misinterpreted and 
Um, so what's, so the first question is, yeah, what is really alive for you right now? Because you, you are doing so much. Um, and then the question we, we usually use to wrap up, um, you know, once it, it, I can ask again after this one, but is what have you learned about yourself in these past couple of years that might have been new for you? Yeah, let's return to that one. Um, but the first question, yeah, cur- like the most current lessons of being integrated for me are, uh, it's great because it's reflected in biofield tuning with clients that, mm-hmm. you know, I approach it from the angle of what if I'm, if I'm seeing something as a pattern repeatedly with more than one client, it's not just that I'm meant to learn about that dynamic of the anatomy of the energy field, but also because probably I need to look for that in myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, some of the more general, mm-hmm. just like b- basic stuff, if I've already gone through and integrated those lessons, I don't look at every single issue that I come up with in a client session as like, right. oh, I have this problem too. Otherwise it wouldn't right. show up. <laughs> You know, like it's it's going to go that far with the mirroring thing, but (laughs) I have realized that there's this dynamic with the left ankle that people Mm. take on. So Mm. uh, if anyone out there listening, I would love to, I'm still collecting data on this, so I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think this might be a pattern with the left ankle, which is, you know, ask yourself, do I sit on my ankle in a weird way that other people would look at and say, that looks uncomfortable, but it gives me comfort. Mm. You know, you could do this with your right or left ankle, but I'm specifically thinking about the left for myself. And uh, cause I, I would sit on my left ankle in a kind of a funky way and feel comforted by it, even to the point where my leg was falling asleep. <laughs> and anyway, so there's this energy of uh, stress or anxiety mm-hmm. that the left ankle can hold on to. And feeling stuck to it, or even potentially hiding from ourselves where the stress or anxiety is coming from. Mm-hmm. And all that could possibly live in the field around the left ankle uh, if there's stagnant energy there. And so I have been seeing and 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 elevating myself out of this pattern, uh, how many of us have the addiction to stress where we will like put things off and wait till the last minute to begin a project or just get something done because the energy of I've only got one day left to do it becomes mm-hmm. a motivator mm-hmm. and we're using the stress as a fuel like that. So I'm working on the pattern of slowing that down and, and doing projects because they're what are what I'm very interested in and is authentically fun. And then when it's done, it's done. And then maybe I reveal it to the world or offer it rather than try to like make the commitment before I start and then wait longer and let the pressure be the the driver of it. So I'm thinking all of that lives in the left ankle. And I think maybe people who sit on their left ankle in the way I described might want to reflect if they have that pattern and if it's a Mm. pattern they want to continue. And they might not feel as called to sit on their ankle in a weird way if they look <laughs> yeah. at that pattern. <laughs> so that's one thing I'm working on. Um, okay, nice. So that's like just the very immediate like energetics of life right mm-hmm. now. And just the pace of life, accepting that it can be uh, that you can get a lot done and feel productive without the feeling of being under the gun, without the feeling of rushing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not 
like <laughs> I, I correct myself or others whenever they say that uh you know you you stay really busy you know i've programmed the universe it's it mm-hmm. turns out i've turned you know when i was in that time of doing the job and the podcast at the same time as i described i really programmed my external universe and the people in it with oh chance he's always busy I should, and that's maybe part of what activates some of the uh, feeling of abandonment or like upset that I'm not invited to this or that because people, I've given them the signal of I am busy, you know, like it's an identity of busyness. And so I'm really undoing, and I think I've pretty much done it. Like the decision is the big part, but I'm not busy anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I I still do a lot of stuff, but, you know, not from the perspective of, uh, overwhelmingly busy at all. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing that the same level of productivity can occur with relaxation and not the yes. stress. And yes. maybe even more productive and deeper insights and more, mm. especially more joy in the aha moments because you can take your time and savor them. Right. And it's right. Like, when yeah. we know that time is, the true time is subjective anyway, then it... <laughs> it starts to kind of make more sense in in a way that's not really possible to make sense of in a linear fashion that well i'm doing i'm less busy i'm you know not mashing everything into a small container but yet the same amount or more is getting done, getting done. in a day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's you really have to like just let go of the belief of like x amount number of hours on the clock or the day means and trying to like do all these calculations of how much I can do yeah. in that time and <laughs> right, right, just, right. Yeah. work, work on being in the flow of what is the most authentically full body hell yes to me right now and mm. do that. <laughs> yes. And I think that's a good strategy. So those are some of the big life lessons I'm currently in yeah. like really internalizing and solidifying. Other than that, doing a lot of personal research outside of research I need to do for my show on the subjects of uh, astrotheology or the yes. the stellar, um, you could call it like star writing, how mm-hmm. ancient history, <laughs> miracle stories of spiritual traditions, everything is encoded up in the stars. And mm-hmm. like, it's important to me to help humanity, however, whatever part I can play in it, to dispel a lot of the uh, unnecessary supernaturalism out of their belief systems, because mm-hmm. when we are in mass programmed and accepting the program to believe in things that are the evidence of our senses does not support, we're actually, in my opinion, we are defying the very nature of our being in the first place, that we have mm-hmm. the senses that we have. And I'm not saying we can't expand them and start to go into further realms of levels of metaphysical understanding, mm-hmm. what would be metaphysical to us now and understand them later down the road and, de- you know, ele- elevate our ability to detect more and more subtle aspects of the reality. I think that's possible, but we need to start with the foundation of what we currently can do and build from there rather than making belief systems <laughs> that uh, go beyond what we can actually know, mm-hmm. because that leads us to more readily and naively accept things that are antithetical to our being overall in general. Mm -hmm. So I'm really working on helping dispel some of the unnecessary supernaturalism, especially because the systems of systems of control and ownership and government in our world today that are causing us problems 
are predicated on this very thing that I'm describing, that mm. humanity has completely obscured from itself the origins of why, how, <laughs> why and how one, like a king or a government or what a nation can ha claim ownership on all the land. Like, mm. you know, mm -hmm. it starts with me asking myself this question, why is it that I can't think of a single place in the world where I could just go live mm -hmm. and be without needing yeah. a mm -hmm. deed or a title or rent, yes. or rent payment or permission. Yes. Like, yeah. How did we get to there? Like, how did all the, how did all the land get yeah. owned? You know? Right. So undoing that requires going back to the beginning of the system. And then at, like we can abrogate that system if we can uh, negate the assertions on which it's predicated. So that's a mm -hmm. maybe a big that's, <laughs> that's yeah, a that's project, but uh, I have great collaborators on that project. Mm. Can we um, can we maybe get together again to talk about that? Yeah, I would love. Oh, that. Yeah. I would love that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, show. <laughs> that's a that's a question that I've asked myself, having gone to the extent of the research. So it would be fascinating to hear you speak on that. And when I hear you talk about the senses, are you talking about a deeper embodiment of what we already have available to us and really coming from that place? Do I understood it correctly? Uh, basically just respecting, respecting the consensus reality, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I trust that there's a good reason why source and ourselves as source created the experience of reality that we're in as it is now yes. with, with all the boundaries and limitations on our individual selves that are there. I don't, you know, I don't look at those as some kind of a punishment prison or, yes. or uh, right. stopping us from something. I look at it as like, well, this system is the way it is for a reason. <laughs> so let's respect it, work yeah. within it, you know, and then, build from there rather than like, because we see the, the, the basic assertions of most religions that people can get dogmatically attached to in a way that makes them in an us versus them against yes. other people or accept yes. slavery is ideas like your reward is in heaven. So just be a good, uh, sl right. be a good slave right. now, you know, mm, don't, yeah. don't act up like, I well, see. heaven is the sky. <laughs> the sky right. That's, that's heaven. It's not like some, other dimension that you, you know, who knows what happens after we die. There are yeah. things that are it's mysteries here. for a reason and yeah. accept that. And let's work with the infinite play playground sandbox of things that we can know and not to get lost in mechanism and trying to find every little atom uh, to in every explanation of every mm -hmm. process, but to just to just drop the uh, drop the assertions that are beyond the consensus reality's ability mm. to agree upon and start from there. You know, I hope mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it 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 does. Because um, mysticism and scientism are the same thing, really. That the the left brain, mm. the left brain that wants to chop Curiosity. everything up and find mm -hmm. every part and explain it. You know, the cult of authority from scientism that says we have the tools and the instruments to detect. Mm -hmm. The invisible, uh, murderous mm -hmm. ninja germs that are going to hurt you. <laughs> we can t oh, trust us. We saw them with our. We microscope. know this. We know it. Right. Well, the same thing happens from 
on the side of mysticism the other too. Side, yeah. But like, like we know oh, it we, happens when we die. Yeah. We have the direct channel to God. God told us these are yeah. the rules. Listen to us. It's the exact same thing from the right brain. The mysticism is the right brain version of it. Mm-hmm. The imbalanced right brain. I see. Imbalanced yin. Uh, and the mechanism is the imbalanced yang. And so mm-hmm. we need to like marry those things and mm-hmm. drop the uh, drop the baggage that it comes from the imbalanced version of both. Gotcha. That's where I'm coming Thank from. You. Thank you yeah. for clearing that out. Yeah, yeah, that's very clear. I love murderous ninja germs. They're after you. Yeah, I love. I love just the from that. What I hear too is just being really open to the mystery. I think you talked about the mystery a lot, and that's us here. It's like we know we actually don't know any of that. Nobody does. So accepting that what we don't know is what we don't know. Yeah, like accepting that there are mysteries. That's great. There are. Yeah, there's way more mystery than there is anything we could ever possibly know. That that's my feeling. Is there's way more mystery than I think what we think we know or can know is probably like the tiniest, tiniest little speck. Yeah, let (laughs) the mystery be a mystery. Yes, and mm-hmm. rather than mystery. being afraid of the not knowing and so deferring to a liar to tell you that they know and trusting that. Right. Mm-hmm. And feel it for yourself. What is it? The only thing that matters is what is it for you in this moment? What is that for you? What is the quality of that? It's not about the mind knowing something, right? Anyway, we could go on forever. Yeah, yeah. Even the deferring to, deferring to a liar to tell you because they have the authority is lying to yourself. And to that's yourself. why you get yeah. the external yeah. liar. Right. Right. It's that, oh, that. Oh my goodness. There's so much we could talk about. So here. much. Oh so much here. So rich. Yes. Yeah, but I, I want to come know. back and discuss that stuff. Yes. 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 Let's do it. Let's Please. do another um mm. another another hour or so, or maybe we'll have more time. Um, Chance, where can people find you? Where would you like people to go to Interversepodcast.com. Okay. Yeah, my and website is interversepodcast.com. Okay. I have a you can find my videos on YouTube. I do an interview show every week and I do two shows a week usually. And uh, Rockfin's a good place to go to. If you have a Rockfin premium account, you can get my extended content there too. Or if you just want to watch the free shows on Rockfin, that's better than YouTube in terms of supportive of me as the creator. Okay. And on my website, people can find more information about doing a sound healing ceremony. I also offer counseling using the I Ching. And yes. uh, tarot, things nice. like that. Yeah, oracle readings. Really fun to com- yeah. uh, combo a tune-up with an oracle <laughs> because <laughs> then you nice. get to really experience some synchronicity where the, the I Ching and the tarot will tell you the same exact stuff the that same your thing. own body was telling you from the biofield mm. tuning. Mm. Nice. nice. All paths lead to Rome. All paths lead to Rome. Yeah. <laughs> I was, Which is we just were talking you. about that the other day right and i was like i wonder if back at that time there was something about geographically that you know it was just how it was and it led to the center or down or whatever it was in rome that it just all led to that and that became the same well I'll check and, out my know. newest episode of my show with dylan Sicosio. we we're talking about his newest book the holy sailors and uh, we're we, he and I, especially him, but I'm very supportive of his work and doing my own research in similar directions. He's doing a great job of digging into the origins of mm. the systems of government and feudalism mm. that we have today, mm. and like that question: Wow, what what is Rome? Did Rome just arise yeah. out of mm. out of spontaneously like arise and create this system, or is are they 
was that pirating of an older system that already existed. Mm. And I think it's the latter. But Rome, what in, in the Italians, they call it Roma. <laughs> you know what that Roma. Roma backwards is amor, amor. Mm. which is love. So yeah. <laughs> is the Roman system an inversion of love? I don't know. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. I love words. Listeners. Thank you for bringing that up mm. for me because that's in my mother language. Yeah, amor. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, so we're yeah. bringing the love back. We're bringing more <laughs> back, just so you all know, clearing out the distortions and um, yes. tuning into the coherence that we are. Thank you so much for being here today with us. Yeah, Chance. thank you, Chance. Thank you. I had wonderful. a great time. <laughs> thank Yay, you, so everyone, <laughs> for listening, and we will yeah. see you all soon. We'll see you soon. <laughs>